You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Well, man, welcome to City Tribe Church. And you know, uh, this week as we introduce the topic, most people don't think that you can be holy and sexy in the same sentence, but the scriptures teach us something altogether different. You know, a lot of people think that living for Christ means you're sexually repressed, but I'm going to show you four truths from the scriptures to help you have happy holy and healthy sex, and we're going to show you how you can heal up from some wounds that have happened from sexual problems in the past. So hang with me through the teaching. Before we get into it, let's pray together and ask God to help us today. God, by your spirit, would you speak to us and change us and make us holy? In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Well, today, in case you're new, we're beginning our annual series called 21 Days of Prayer and fasting. So a lot of us are fasting from different things like social media for meat or chocolate or whatever, sodas, whatever. And the fasting starts after church today, and we do it for 21 days. And we do that so we can focus in on God. Now, if you don't know about biblical fasting, you can go back and we'll post a link to last week's teaching where you can learn about how to fast, why you fast, and what to focus on when you're fasting, trying to connect with God. But one of the things that we're asking God to do in us during this time is we're saying, hey, God, make a difference in me that I make a difference for you. Would you say that with me out loud when I point to you? Ready? Here we go. God, make a difference in me so that I would make a difference for you. Good. And so we're not pointing the finger at people out there in the world or uh, elsewhere in the city and saying, hey, you're wrong. We're saying, hey, here in the church, we want God to make a difference in us so that we can serve and help others um, in the world. And so we're going to be asking God to, to build four things into our lives. And you have them on your wristbands. The first one is we want to ask God to make us holy. And that's this week's topic. Next Sunday, we're going to say, hey, God, we want to get honest. We want to be honest about our lives. And then the next week, we're going to say, God, we want to be hopeful. And then the last week is, God, we want to be holistic in the way that we serve others around the world. Now, today, we're going to be looking at holiness. And I want to take you to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. For the scriptures say, you must be what? Holy. Because God says, I am holy. Now, we all love what the Bible says about God's love, don't we? I mean, man, I cherish that. But did you know that the scriptures say more about God's holiness than it does about his love? Doesn't negate his love, doesn't denigrate his love anyway. Both things are important, but we have to bring balance here to both talk about his love and his holiness. Now, uh, one of the biggest areas in our church where we need to learn his holiness is in our sexual practices. And so um, I want to give you a couple of disclaimers. First of all, if you brought children into the service today, um, I'm going to be talking about a lot of sexy stuff from the Bible. And I just want to give you fair warning. So don't say I didn't warn you. Um, So if it's not too late for you to get kids checked into Kid City, if you would like to do that. 
also spiritual investigators or those of you that are new to church. We are going to be talking about sex from a biblical Jesus-centered view, and I know it's going to seem very strange to you because the culture out there says something completely different about sexual practices. So you're the one that chose to come into a Christian church, and so we're glad you did, and we hope you can come and learn about God at your own pace, but we want you to understand that some of the things that we're going to be teaching may seem very foreign to you, but here's what we all know. Whether you've been to church your whole life or you're coming to church for the first time right now today, is that we live in a sex-obsessed culture, don't we? So much so that the Bang Brothers porn company bid $10 million for the naming rights of the Miami Heat basketball arena. They made that bid like just a few years ago, and then they re-upped their bid just a couple of months ago when the Miami Heat moved on from their previous sponsor. But that's nothing new this sexual obsession. It was happening back in the Bible days. And I want to show you where there was an older Christian man named Paul who was mentoring a younger guy named Timothy. And let me take you to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, and see what it says. Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels or cups of gold and silver, but also cups of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as what? Holy, useful. Holy and useful go together. Holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions. Some translations will say flee youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And so one of the things that we see in this passage is that there's this direct connection between spiritual holiness and spiritual usefulness. See, now I, uh, I brought this crystal glass and this was a part of a set that my wife, Jeannie, and I received as wedding gifts just a few years ago when we were married, you know? And when we have guests over to our home, we oftentimes will serve them in these glasses to honor our guests. And think about when you have guests over your home, what glasses do you use to serve them? Now, some of your homes, just like our home, there may be like some McDonald, you know, McDonald's cup or like a styrofoam cup from Whataburger, and it's got like a little bit of coffee left in it, and it like, you know, is moldy down in there. And when your guests come over, you don't want to use the old moldy Whataburger cup or whatever, do you? But you want to bring out the good crystal to honor your guests and to serve them, right? And the God is the same way, is that he wants to use the people that have purified themselves for use. And here's something I want to speak into you today. No matter what you've done in the past, no matter what mistakes you've made or hurts and wounds you've dealt with as it relates to sexual practices, here's, here's what I want to speak into you today. God created you to be fine crystal, be holy. This is who God created you to be. That's who we're going to step into today is your identity in Christ. And today we're going to show you four key truths that lead to happy, holy sex. Look at number one. 
Holy sex is good sex. Sex is supposed to be good in the Bible. But the thing is, when I started going to church, all I heard about was all the stuff you're not supposed to do. Anybody besides me ever hear that? And so I started going to church and they was like, hey, don't sleep with your girlfriend. Don't look at porn. Don't masturbate. Don't live with your girlfriend or whatever. Don't live with your boyfriend. I'm like, okay, I, I can get down with that. But I never heard the truth of the positive alternative that's mentioned in the scriptures. If you go back to the beginning of Genesis, when God created the, you know, the man and the woman, he said in Genesis 1.28, be fruitful and multiply. One of the first commands in the Bible is to have sex, see? And so before, and I just say the word sex, and some of you are like, Ugh, you know, you start freaking out. Or you, get, you know, we're in church, Pastor, talk about sex. You know, so it's just like, look, before the fall, sex was not something weird to talk about or secretive or odd or anything like that. We were sexual before we were sinful. We were sexual before we were sinful. Unfortunately, churches have made sex repressed. If you go back in church history, I'll show you this historian that writes about how sexual repression happened within a lot of churches. This guy's name is John Boswell. And he said, church authorities issued edicts forbidding sex on Thursdays, the day of Christ's arrest, Fridays, the day of his death, Saturdays in honor of the Blessed Virgin, and Sundays in honor of the departed saints. Wednesday sometimes made the list too, as did 40-day fast periods during Easter, Christmas, and Pentecost, and also feast days and days of the apostles, as well as the days of female impurity. So the list escalated until there was only 44 days left for married couples to have sex. And all the husbands said, wah, wah, okay, not cool, dude. That stuff's not in the Bible. People made that stuff up, dude. It's a repression. And here's what we all know. Repression finds its way out somehow doesn't it? It'll find its way out. And God in the scriptures did not create you and I to be sexually repressed. That's why there's this book in the Old Testament named Song of Solomon. In fact, the Jewish boys weren't even allowed to read it until they turned 30 because it's so sexy. But you know what? We're thinking to read some of it today. <laughs> Check this out. Solomon goes to his lover and he's romancing her. And he says in the Song of Solomon 4.2, he says, your smile is flawless, each tooth matched with its twin. So she's got all her teeth. That's a good start, right? <laughs> so evidently she's got lipstick on. Look at the next, next verse in verse 3. Your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is inviting. And so now he starts working his way down. And look what he says in the next verse, verse four. Your neck is as beautiful as the Tower of David, jeweled with shields of a thousand heroes. Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle grazing among the lilies. He, dude, he talked about her breasts. And I know, ladies, you wanted your breasts to be like a couple of deer, a couple of fawns. <laughs> Some old Texan said, let's go deer hunting, <laughs> right? Now, look, I'm not going to keep reading. And I'll tell you why, because I get too embarrassed. Because if I kept reading in that passage, it would literally describe oral sex. And it's not 
uh, crude, it's erotic, romantic, but not vulgar. It's in the Bible because God created sex to be enjoyed. It's not a vulgar thing, but the, one of the things that you got to learn to enjoy sex appropriately is delayed gratification. Say those two words with me. Delayed gratification. Have you seen the marshmallow experiment? So what they do in the marshmallow experiment, they put a little kid at a table and they put a marshmallow on the table in front of them. And they tell the kid, you, if you won't eat this marshmallow, don't eat the marshmallow because if you don't eat it, when, you, when I come back in the room, I'll give you two marshmallows. But what the kid doesn't know is they got a little hidden camera on the kid. And so what happens is, is when the adult leaves the room, some of the kids immediately, the adult leaves and they're like, I'm, I'm chowing down on that marshmallow and they just eat it. But other kids look at it and they're just like, oh, I really want that marshmallow. And some kids like poke it. And then one kid like, Licked it, you know, <laughs> just like just get a little marshmallowy lick and put it back down there. But here's what they found is that the kids that could delay their gratification and not eat the marshmallow, not only did they get two marshmallows when the adult came back, but they followed their careers and their relationships and they were more successful in their careers and relationships when they could have delayed gratification. See? Delayed gratification. Now, God wants you to have gratification, doesn't he? Remember Song of Solomon? I mean, he talks about the gratification. And look, it, was, it didn't sound like the Bible, did it? It sounded like John Mayer's Your Body is a Wonderland, didn't it? It's what the Bible sounded like. But God wants us to enjoy it. And one of the reasons that the Christians started becoming a majority in the Roman Empire in the early days of the church is because of their sexual practices. I want to go back and, and show you a letter from Diognetus. It says, they marry, describing the Christians, they marry as do all others. They beget children, but they do not destroy their offspring. And look at this part. They have a common table, but not a common bed. See? It's like they invite a lot of people to their table to eat. They show hospitality, but they don't, they don't invite everybody into the bed. You follow me? So this was the way of God. In our culture, uh, a lot of people think this way. They just think, well, is he or she hot? Will he or she have sex with me? Is he or she good in bed? Are they okay to be around? Do we like the same shows on Netflix? Then we can hang around together. We can be a couple. But when you follow Jesus, here's what you do. You, you say, well, is he or she on the same page with Jesus with me? Then is he or she hot? Because how many of you know that's important too, right on? Amen. And then from there, it's like, do we grow spiritually when we're together? And then from there, if your friends, you think they're hot, all those other things line up, you put a ring on it, you commit to them in marriage, and then you serve Jesus side by side for the rest of your lives. That's God's way. See, to have the very, very best sex. Now, let me take you to number two. Holy sex is relationally connected sex. Holy sex is relationally connected sex. Now, some people have a lot of sexual exploits, and they wonder why they feel this sense of disconnection, and it's not fulfilling. And it's because God designed sex to work with these three Hebrew words when couples come together. The first Hebrew word is raya, that means friendship. And then there's ahaba, which means commitment. And then there's dod, which means erotic 
sex. And so a hookup sex is like the erotic sex without the commitment and without the friendship. But then there are some couples that they have the commitment, but there's no real friendship or no erotic sex going on. But the way God designed it is that when you fall in love, you get married first, and then you add all three of the components. It's kind of like two people, two souls, are two smaller flames coming together in marriage with friendship, commitment, and erotic sex. And those two small souls or flames create a huge, massive bonfire of awesome, erotic, enjoyable, holy sex. And that's what God wants for you and I. Is anybody into that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody's like, I don't know, should I say it? Should I say it? <laughs> well, when we engage in sex outside of God's way, it creates this disconnection. It's why so many people feel so isolated. Never before have people been having so many sexual encounters, but they feel isolated and lonely. There's a New York Times article where Joanna Cole says, getting naked and having sex with strangers is hard. We portray it as fun, and we pretend it's fun, but people crave intimacy, which is not easy to create in a hookup. That's why Britain just appointed a loneliness minister. Let that land on you for just a minute. In the UK, people feel such a sense of disconnection. Though they're having sex, but they feel disconnected so much so that they had to have a loneliness minister appointed in their government to deal with all the lonely people. And the way a lot of people see it is, hey, if I'm hungry, I eat. If I'm thirsty, I drink. If I'm aroused sexually, I just get someone to sleep with me. I have sex with them. If nobody will have sex with me, I just look at porn and masturbate. And this has created something called celibacy syndrome in Japan. So young men in Japan have lost the ability to have relationships with women. And so they either just hire a prostitute or they just look at porn and masturbate because they've lost the capacity to even engage in a relationship with a woman. And what does the Bible say about this kind of mentality? Well, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13, where Paul says, You say, food was made for the stomach, and the stomach for food. Should a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? There's something spiritual going on there, right? Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against who? Your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? God wants interconnectedness in the sexual relationship, not just these hookups, you know? The hookups just lead to disconnection. And a lot of dating app culture is leading people towards this sense of disconnection and loneliness. And I'm not saying that all dating apps are wrong. I've met a lot of people in our church that met on dating apps, and they have great relationships, you know. Um, it depends on which app you choose, and it depends on how you use the app. So I think a lot of us know that uh, some of the most popular apps out there for dating are Tinder, Bumble, and Hinge. And I want to ask you to be careful. I, I saw this article just this past week 
In the express news of a Texas woman held captive and tortured for five days by a man she, man she met on Bumble. So ladies, we care about you around here. Be very careful in the way that you use these apps and the way you meet up with people. There's an article in Vanity Fair that I read a few years ago, and it's called Tinder and the Dawn of the Dating Apocalypse. And in this article, there was this one guy and he said, you could talk to two or three girls at a bar and pick up the best one, or you could swipe a couple of hundred people a day. The sample size is so much larger. It's setting up two or three Tinder dates a week, and chances are sleeping with all of them. So you could rack up 100 girls you've slept with in a year. You want to be just someone's number, ladies? And then in this article, I talked about Tinderellas. You know what a Tinderella is? That's a woman that a guy would sleep with before midnight, but not after midnight. And then there's a thing called the Tinder King, where this, these guys would get a girl to sleep with them based on their text message game, oftentimes just using emojis. And then the next one I thought was kind of funny is called Tinder food stamps. And this is where ladies will use dating apps to get a free dinner from some guy on a dating app. I thought, it's pretty smart, you know? <laughs> but then I kept reading the article, and this one guy said, this is really, he said, I sort of play that I could be a boyfriend kind of guy in order to win them over. But when they want me to start caring more, I just don't. And this young one woman wrote, they quoted her, and she said, I had sex with a guy, and he ignored me as I got dressed, and I saw he was already back on Tinder. Like, dude's putting his clothes back on, and he's back on Tinder trying to set up the next hookup that night, see? And here's what I want you to know. Ladies, you were not made by God to be a Tinderella or cash in, you know, Tinder food stamps. Guys, you were not made by God to be some Tinder king. You were made to be fine crystal. Be holy. Step into who you really are made to be. Be holy. See? So this disconnection uh, often leads to a worshiping of the sexual encounter. See? And this is nothing new either. Paul had to correct it when people just wanted to have sex, however, with whoever they wanted to. And he wrote about it in Romans chapter 1. Look at verse 24, so God abandoned them. Hey, hey, you want to do whatever you want to do? God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself. See? You know, we are all worshiping something. Everyone is a worshiper of something or someone. I like the way that David Foster Wallace wrote about it. He's not a Christian author, but he was a well-respected college professor and novelist. And he said, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. Be it JC or Allah, be it Yahweh or the Wicked Mother Goddess or the Four Noble Truths or some inviolable set of ethical principles is that pretty much Anything else you worship will eat you alive. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. And this sense of, and this practice of worshiping sex is actually nothing new either. 
Paul had to correct it because the, the believers in Ephesus in the New Testament of the Bible, they all would walk by every day the Temple of Diana, which was one of the ancient wonders of the world. There were a thousand temple prostitutes there. I brought a picture of Diana over the years. I've always joked that she'd probably have a hard time, you know, shopping for a swimsuit with a body like that, you know, but it's like she was like the fertility mother and they would go there and lay down sacrifices for sexual encounters with this temple prostitutes at her temple. Um, and I think people are doing the same thing today. People are sacrificing tons of money for sexual encounters. People are sacrificing their innocence, their dignity for sexual encounters. And people are sitting in front of screens and sacrificing Hours and hours of time just wasting it, looking for on the screen the next sexual encounter. That's why disconnected sex is oftentimes dependent upon porn. Just this never-ending search for a drink of water that will not quench the thirst of your soul. That's why Jesus, he wanted us to be fulfilled. He wanted to quench the desires of our souls, not make us more hungry. That's why he said in Matthew 5, 28, anyone who looks after another person with lust has already committed adultery in their heart. See, it's not just what you do on the outside, but it's what you do in your heart and in your mind. And, you know, years ago, when I would talk to other men and I would confess my own struggles, you know, and hear theirs, and I would hear a lot of men say, you know, I started looking at porn because I was just watching regular TV on the regular network channels. And I would see some show like Baywatch. Anybody remember Baywatch? And you say, okay, and all the men are like, I'm not raising my hand. I'm not raising my hand. But it's just like, and, and see, like Pamela Anderson in that red swimsuit. And she's like, uh, you know, lifeguard. She's running down the beach, you know, jiggling everywhere, right? And everybody's just like, um, and dudes are just looking at the TV. It's like, whoa. And then some years later, um, I would hear people say, you know, we started watching all the Fifty Shades of Grey. And then I just needed something more. You know, I, I, I got into it. Until today, we all like have porn in our pockets if we want it real quick. And as we know, virtual reality, as it becomes more of a thing, people are putting on their Oculus goggles to have VR sexual encounters and it's just leading to deeper levels of addiction and deeper levels of disconnection see i want to take you back to the new york times there's an article that said what teenagers are learning from online porn and they were talking about this school district in boston where they introduced a porn literacy curriculum for high school students and it's designed to reduce the amount of sexual violence and they're assuming that every kid's already looking at porn but they're just trying to do anything they can to put a dent in the amount of violence that's happening because see younger people I would say even older people are being programmed by porn to believe and think that violence within a sexual encounter is acceptable and it is not see that's not the way God created you. And if you struggled in any of this, I want to take you to number three. And it's simply this is that holy sex rewires your brains. Holy sex rewires your brain. See, a lot of us have mistakenly believed that our genitals are the most important part in a sexual encounter, but it's actually our brains. 
That is why many times we've talked about the science of neuroplasticity here. There's a book called uh, Wired for Intimacy by William Struthers, and he says the good news is, is that positive, repetitive thought and action can rewire your brain back to health. And when you read the Bible, what you learn from Paul in Romans is that, man, he made this connection between our bodies and our minds when he said, don't be conformed to this world anymore, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if you want to learn to have happy and holy and even hot and healing sex, then you got to go to the scriptures and read them, learn them, memorize them, meditate on them, and let them rewire your brain back to sexual health. See, there's this book, Empire of Illusion, written by author Chris Hedges, and it's not a Christian book, but he talks about how the porn industry is actually targeting kids that are in their mid-teen years up to 20s, and they show these brain scans in the book where they show the brain scans of people that are addicted to internet porn, and they have less gray matter in certain areas of the brain, particularly in the amygdala uh, or, uh, which is the insula, actually, which impacts feelings of empathy and compassion for other people. You see why the rapes are happening? Because it says that neurons that fire together wire together. And so people are watching violence in porn, and the violence in the sex act is connected to the pleasure center of their brains. And so people don't have the capacity to, to feel empathy for someone else. They think that that's normal. It's like pleasurable. It's, it's mapped their brain in this way. And here's what I want you to know. God didn't create you for that. God didn't create you to commit a rape. God didn't commit, uh, create you to act like that in a sexual encounter. God created you to be fine crystal. Be holy. Does anybody want to jump on board with that? Be holy. So... And you know, if you've been around here for any length of time, the heart of this church is not to make you feel worse about what you've struggled with. And that's why we want to come alongside and help. We're not just here to point the finger, but we're here to come along and help. See, because all of us, a lot of us in here have struggled in this area. And that's why I wanted to show you all these resources for recovery from sexual addiction. Like, for example, we have some very courageous men and women that lead men's groups and ladies group for what's called conquerors, and that'll help you overcome sexual addiction. And then we also have Cultivate that roots out these wounds from the past and other ways of thinking that helps us to get free of these things, see? And I, I'll list other resources on screen, like X Church, which helps men get out of porn, and there's other resources on there that we'll post online that you can um, go to if you're a, a wife whose husband is struggling with porn and you're worried about that, and you're struggling in that way. So look at all those resources online uh, as we post those. But let me take you to number four, and this is an important point to make because this is at the heart of our church, is that holy sex removes shame. Did you catch that? Holy sex removes shame. Here at City Tribe, we're not trying to heap guilt and shame upon you especially if you've been the victim of someone else's sexual brokenness. Now, the fact is, a lot of us have been the victim of our own sexual sins. You follow me? And if you've struggled in this area, we're not trying to heal guilt and shame 
on you. You showed up here today. You showed up because you want to be a part of the solution. You wouldn't have come here and tuned into this video online if you didn't want to get free or get some help. There's no shame in showing up. And I'm here today to encourage you to help you up. See, that's what we want to do here at City Tribe. I've received a level of freedom from lust that I used to didn't know was possible. And if I can encounter it, you can too. Do not believe the lie that you can never be free. And here's what perpetuates the lies in some of you. If some of you have relapsed or you've continually struggled or you've prayed and prayed and prayed and you fasted and tried all kinds of things to get free from the sexual lust, but you, you've been on good streaks and then you fall down again. Well, I need to kind of repeat this verse for you and encourage you with it. It's Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. Please receive this on your heart today. For though the righteous fall seven times, they what? Rise again. Can you say those two words, rise again with me? Ready? Rise again. And look, for some of us, doesn't matter what's happened. Doesn't matter if it happened last night. Today's the day to rise again. Because you do not know if this time you rise again, if it didn't like your next level of freedom in this lifetime, see, you can rise again. And I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to stand up, whether you're worshiping here in the cameo or online, go ahead and stand up with me. And I want to ask you to just kind of close your eyes and have a moment just between you and God. Imagine that there's a circle around you and it's just you and God within this circle. And I want to speak some things into you. If you've been violated sexually, know that God never damages the bruised reed. And he wants you to know it was not your fault and you're not less of a man. You're not less of a woman. God does not see you as dirty. What happened to you will not define you anymore. You're his beloved child. He loves you deeply and he accepts you wholeheartedly. This next part is for those of you who have struggled, like I have. You've struggled with looking at filthy images on screens and treating others like expendable play toys. If you've been in the back seats of cars and in beds of regret, just come before God now and ask for forgiveness and repent, turn from your sin, knowing that God has thrown your sin as far as the east is from the west. Let God's unconditional love and grace give you courage to keep fighting, keep rising again, because you will ultimately win. And now I want to ask you to look up at me. Brothers and sisters, please receive this as truth from the Bible. You are fine crystal. That's who you are. Be holy. Be holy. And as we sing, one of the things we like to do around this church sometimes is we like to come and kneel and pray. So certainly I want to open the front for those who want to come and kneel and pray and say, God, you know, I struggle and I want to be holy. I want to kind of, you know, rise again. And I want to ask you to set me free from any sexual addiction problems like that. But you know, there are others of you that want to pre pray for a friend or a loved one or a family member, your sons, 
your daughters, your moms, your dads. Pray for them, for sexual holiness in them. All some of you, you may have a really great track record. You've never messed up, but you want to come and humble yourself before God and say, God, I want to ask you to help me keep this commitment of purity for the rest of my life. I'm re-upping in 2023 to be a person of sexual holiness. That's, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go down and kneel and pray. And even though God has done a great work in my life and I've experienced a newer level of freedom, and I, I thank him for that, I'm going to pray, God, you know, I want to, I want to stay humble. Because how many of you know you never get holy until you get humble first? And that's why I'm adding that component where we like have to come and kneel and pray because humility is a key to get to that next place of holiness. And so I want to be the first one to bow the knee and humble myself because I know this. The Bible teaches, cursed is he who thinks he stands lest he fall. And so I don't want to think I'm all bad or that it's all good. I have to stay on my guard just like you do in order to stay in this place of walking with God in sexual holiness. So I want to invite you to come now and kneel and pray if you're so inclined as we sing and worship together.
Jesus has given When I open up my mouth Miracles start breaking out I have the authority Jesus has given me Undefeated by the power of 
someone today and it's like you're embracing the truth of who he says you are not who you say that you are and my sense is that there are a couple of different groups of people that God wants to encourage today some are those that are on a really good long streak and he wants to remind you that all the benefits and blessings that you've encountered because of that good long streak can be gone in a moment if you don't take this seriously. And then the second group I believe he wants to encourage are those that have relapsed over and over again and have already encountered the consequences of those relapse in the areas of sexual sin. And he wants to speak something gently to you. I want to remind you of the story of Hosea. If you've never heard it, it's about this prophet in the Old Testament. God told him to marry a prostitute. And so he married the prostitute and she kept cheating on him over and over again. She cheated on him. How would that make you feel? But yet here's God's heart that's displayed in that Old Testament book. Look at it with me. I will win her back once again. Will you receive that today? God's going to win you back once again says, I'll lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. And you felt so much guilt and shame. And today, God, by his spirit, he's speaking tenderly and gently to you. He's not doing this. He's bringing you in close. That's what he's doing. That's his heart. And it says, when that day comes, says the Lord, you will call me my husband instead of my master. And look at what he says next. I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I'll be faithful to you and make you mine. And you will finally know me, he says. Those of you that already have love relationship with him, you'll grow deeper in intimacy with him in connectedness. That's what he wants. And you're going to see his power in a new way. And it's going to create more love in your heart for him, for the way that he's brought you in and brought new levels of freedom in your life. And here's what I can't help but think. And I sense strongly, particularly in this service, that God brought someone here today and you've already tried it all out there. You've never had a love relationship with God. Because you're like a lot of people in our world and you've always thought, no, I don't want to be like a Jesus person because they're all a bunch of prudes. And we showed you otherwise from the scriptures today. And there's something that's drawing you right now that you can't even explain. I know, happened to me too. I tried everything I could to get away from God. I didn't want it. I wanted to do my own thing. But his heart of love, it drew me. I couldn't resist. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. If you'd like love relationship with him, I want you to just talk to him. Today's the day for you. So let's bow our heads. And if you want a relationship with God, you've never had, just say, hey, look, God, I know I've sinned and screwed up. Hey, I confess it. I own it. <laughs> but God, right now, I'm making a choice to believe 
that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he paid for my sin. He was my substitute. And when he rose again from the dead, he gave me the power to have a new life, to walk in holiness. Welcome into my life, God. Thank you for those that just prayed that, just met you, Jesus. For the rest of us that have known you, the best we know how, we want to step into new levels of holiness and usefulness to you, God. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen, amen. You guys go ahead and take a seat just for a minute. And as we wrap up today, I wanted to tell you about next Sunday, because this week was about, we're trying to be holy. We want to be holy. But how many of you know you don't get holy unless you get honest first? And so next week is be honest. And I'm going to get brutally honest with you about some of my own past struggles and sins and the like, because I think that's what we need in churches, don't we? A lot of us have gone to those churches where they gloss over everything and make you feel like that, that, you know, the sage on a stage is better than everybody else. And we all know that not to be true. You can just watch the news, right? Or, or read the internet news apps and stuff. And if you want that church where they gloss over everything and make everybody feel like they're less than or whatever, that, that you know, that where the, everybody pretends like they're perfect, you're not going to like it here. <laughs> so those of us that came here realize we need that which is real, and we've got to get honest about our lives if God's ever going to change us to be holy. So if you want that, come on next week. Now, I wanted to tell you, wrap up with this story of a woman that came to our church, and her name is Tekoa. And Tekoa used to walk the streets of downtown. She would sell her body to pay for her addiction. And there's a friend of mine and a friend of our church is a police officer, and he had to arrest Tekoa. But when he did, he got to talking to her, and he gave her a little piece of paper with our church name and address on it. And as soon as she got out of Bear County, she came to our church. She eventually came to faith in Jesus. She was baptized right here in this theater. And then since she didn't have a home, we got her a place at Strong Foundation Ministry for Homeless Families that we helped to support as a church. She started growing spiritually there. And can I tell you something awesome that's happened in recent days? Tekoa has been able to reunite with her daughter that they were estranged for years. I brought a picture of them together because of the power of God, right? So... Now, Tekoa is living in Colorado, and she's helping serve people who have lived on the streets and lived out the story that she used to live out until God set her free, and she's walking as pure crystal glass. See, she's useful to the master because she decided to get holy. See? And the reason I tell you that story is because I want you to know that's why we invest our resources here. You know, it takes money to pay the light bills around this place, right? And to have a building and to do all the things that we do as a church. And if you're not a Christian and don't buy into all this, we totally understand if you don't give any money to it. And we totally understand this, this service is like our gift to you, okay? But those of us that believe in Jesus, we put our money where our mouth is. And that's why we, people like Tekoa, or perhaps sitting in this room right now. 
And that's why we bring, like, as a first priority, a tithe and above here at the local storehouse of the church in order to see people's lives change. We invest in the stuff that matters to Jesus. And look, what matters to Jesus is not building some big corporate entity, but people is what we want to invest in here. So we, since we don't pass buckets or plates or anything like that, there are four ways that we take up the offerings here. You can mail in your offerings to the P.O. Box number on screen. You can text to tithe if you'd like to. Just follow the instructions on the screen. You can go to the giving stations located near the exits of the theater. Or you can just get on any device and go to our website, citytribe.church tithe and take care of it that way. And we are so grateful for the ways that your tithes and offerings are making a huge, massive impact here in the heart of San Antonio. So before you guys give through your generosity, I'm going to tell you about something we're going to do every week during this series. After services each week, we're going to take a brief prayer walk as a community. You cool with that? So uh, here's what it means if you've never done a prayer walk before. Is that you go out the doors and then you just circle around the hotel next door and circle around our buildings. And as you do, you walk and you pray. You walk and you talk to God and say, God, look, not only make me holy, make a difference in my sexual holiness and purity and my thoughts and my actions, but make our church an epicenter where people can really get help, where people can really get changed, where you, by the power of your spirit, will change people's lives and their sexual practices so they can be useful to you for your kingdom. Does that sound cool? So let's stand up together. And before you guys circle around the buildings in a prayer walk, um, dear brothers and sisters, walk from this place knowing who you are. You're not the old McDonald's cup filled with mold, but you are fine crystal. Walk from here and pray and be holy. We'll see you guys next Sunday. Bye now. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, Check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.